Welcome to episode 7.5 of the Dead Serial Podcast. I'm your host, LJ. On the second micro episode of the series, I'm excited to share a debate between Ram Das and Timothy Leary. This took place at Harvard on May 27th, 1983. Uh, Timothy Leary and Ram Das, or Richard Alpert, were psychology professors at Harvard in the 1960s. They were allowed to experiment with LSD and uh, I, I find this debate rather interesting. It makes valid points about deity as well as voting, uh, theories on what the end of the 80s was going to be, etc. I will have a short outro and I appreciate you tuning in. We are literally at a position where uh, collectively working in harmony we can do most of the things that um, uh, and take the responsibilities which in the past have been attributed to the great deities of the past. I think the golden age is ahead. It's the golden age of humanist science, humanist technology, pagan science, pagan technology, high-tech, high-touch. Uh, there's a, in, in every field there's a, uh, uh, I think you, you could float through all those impressive list of places in which there were breakthroughs, one after another, and flip planes that fast, you know, because you rest nowhere. And so, if from that place, it all is this incredibly creative act, and you can do anything, and you can play any way you want to. But the place we share is the place that stands nowhere. Not the place that's caught in the spirals that involve intellectual advance, or now we know it, on. That's all like little ripples on the ocean. Or another way to put it, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, we're moving from one star system or one galaxy or one spatial resting place to another. It's the old particle wave theory. Uh, we jump the void. And when we're in that void, we're together, yeah. we la may land on different planets, yeah, different uh, uh, lobes of the brain. Uh, there's no getting away from the fact that it's all on-off, on-off, uh, void structure, void structure, form structure. Uh, atomic physics tells us that. Uh, yeah. The brain works that way. Uh, so that... Um, am I more interested in the many landing places and you more in the void? I don't think so. No. I don't think so. I think we're just sharing a, an ecstatic delight in the uniquenesses of the way the form manifests. I mean, I'm really an appreciator of the way you are manifesting this lifetime, and you with me. And in a way, it's because we rest in the place behind that. If we're busy being you and me, it gets a little, it's exciting. And I don't want to be not you and me, but I don't want to be only you and me. That's all. I think we've escaped that trap. I think we, we do most of the time. I wouldn't, I, I know nothing about the future. On the other hand, there are very fascinating differences between us. And to say this is not to uh, make invidious, that's the glory and the wonder of it. And uh, we mustn't just go away feeling that it's all wonderful and mellow here on Sunday. Yes, it is you mellow, can. but yeah. there are also uh, a, a long list of uh, exciting uh, contextual differences that are kind of fun to bring up and uh, why don't you list them well I listed some of them then <laughs> you got well, I'll tell you list. for example give me a whole list I'll tell you for example when Richard uses words like God 
or spiritual. <laughs> and occasionally, you call upon the name of Christ, and you're, wow, that's... The great way is not that's difficult. That's far out. The great way... <laughs> the great way is not difficult for those who have no preferences. When love and hate are both absent, everything becomes clear and undisguised. But make the slightest distinction, and heaven and earth are set infinitely apart. To have the form and the formless. Yeah. But yet the words do have semantic meaning. Yeah. As I said, you, the, the fact that you are reacting to those is your problem. It's your attachment. I use God the way I use it. Why should that upset you? It's none of your business what words I use to talk about what model. They're just scenarios. It's like Walter Cronkite saying, that's the way it is tonight. That's just the way Walter Cronkite thinks it is tonight. But I also think of the semantic meaning uh, to uh, other people. Yeah, what, what the word God would mean or the word Christ yeah. would mean. Uh, I think it means a mystery, a doorway to an unknown, yeah. a, an unnameless Yahweh, uh, you know. Uh, yeah. The 99 names, none of which say what it is. And don't you want to keep everybody right at the edge of the form and the formless? Because that's where the ultimate act of creation is. For some people, God is a total drag. And for other people, it's a doorway. And I just send out as many doorways as I can because I all the doorways lead to the same place as far as I'm concerned somebody's used every one of them I, I think that it's uh, our duty as explorers and as um, frontier scouts for our species uh, to invent new terminologies we don't say, well, uh, I, uh, I went out in the spaceship and I climbed the mountain and I went over the hill and uh, I found this incredibly new terrain and I'm going to call it uh, God. You know, uh, let's call it, uh, you know, um, <laughs> New Jersey. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I, I really feel that words are tremendously important, and when I give college lectures to young people, I say, you've got to develop, we've got to develop a new terminology. We simply can't use the language that has been around for three or four thousand years because more people have been killed in the name of God than uh, any other word around. Um, and uh, uh, and uh, how many have been about to be killed by science? <laughs> Well, I never use the word science uh, unless I use the adjective pagan science or humanist science. Or, uh, um, uh, uh. It's like a symphony orchestra out here of images. Did you, did you finish that? I didn't hear that one. Question over here. Yes, um, I was wondering, it's addressed to both of you. Uh, would you care to make any specific predictions? There seems to be a uh, regrouping that took place in the late 70s, and there are many similarities, to me at least, between, let's say, 1963 and 1983. Would you care to make any predictions on the remainder of the 80s? 
Which groupings do you have in mind? Anyone. Uh, I'm very uninterested in the way in which shared awareness manifests, whether it gets groupy or not. I mean, I really, what I experience is what I call a Martian takeover of um, a shared awareness that when you meet somebody, you can look them in the eye for a second and you know, they know, you know, they know, and there we are. And I don't need that I have to wear badges or join clubs for that. So I'm not sure whether mass movement in the, in the sense that the, I don't think numbers is necessarily the only, that's power, is the only, worldly power is the only way social change comes about. I mean, I really feel it's much more interesting than that, much more so. So, you know, I, I, he's talking about the 80s. Do, do you vote? Yes, you do? Uh, I, I would love to vote. Uh, hmm? I would love to vote. You can't. You're an ex-criminal, aren't you? No, I think I can vote. Yeah, well, why don't you? Matter of fact, uh, yeah. Uh, well, I, have a, I haven't been excited about the choices. No, I haven't either. Uh, and I, I felt either. that not voting... I don't think the political arena is where social change occurs. Yeah. Uh, it follows. It always comes later. Mm -hmm. They're just reactive. they got pollsters in the White House. I mean, there's the sole man in the Oval Office reading his polls to decide how to think. Which is great from our point of view. We do have an actor. We have just what we wanted. All we have to do is, all we have to do is accept the responsibility for the programming. And that happens out of the individual human hearts that don't feel good and they say to him, hey baby, you're not playing my, you know, you're not my lead anymore. And it moves. I think, I think Ronnie lives, listens to Nancy, and Nancy listens to Ronnie, and sometimes through them they listen to some human heart that beats in there. Yes. And that's the channel through as far as I'm concerned. I, I generally, um, in, in lectures, uh, I think am much more... Uh, uh, Assertive and aggressive. I make fun of Reagan, and I I, I don't, uh, um, you know, make love to Casper uh, Weinberger. I uh, I feel that it's my function, rightly or wrongly, to uh, as an Irish storyteller, uh, yeah. to uh, to play that role of making fun. A storyteller lives in the world of good and evil. Yeah. Of good and evil, yeah. yeah. But you and I both can play in the world yeah. of good and evil yeah. without getting caught in righteousness. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So I tend to be uh, probably much more abrasive than you, and I yeah. stir but up I more... But I see that as just a different form. I don't see it as better or yeah. worse. But uh, I... Uh, I stir I up, too. I connect it. people who have seen each other as, as opponents and say, I'm going to say no to you, Casper. I'm going to stop you if I possibly can, but I'm not going to put you out of my heart. And that means something. That's opening a gate that's been closed for too damn long. Uh, I agree with that. Uh, I spent uh, about four years in prison and two years in exile, and uh, I have uh, papers, you know, uh, 
Freedom of Information stuff on what the government was doing. They were really following all of us around. They were really doing rather uh, dirty tricks to us uh, during that period. And uh, yet, uh, I am always prepared when I meet a, a guard or a prison official or an ex-sheriff or anyone from the past. The first time I meet them and they walk in and I look in their eyes, I'm ready to start right over again. Great, beautiful. Uh, as an beautiful. example of that, I spend quite a bit of time these days debating with my absolute worst enemy, yeah. G. Gordon Liddy. Uh, and uh, I find this extremely interesting that uh, I'm wearing him down. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. Really? <laughs> I'm mellowing that mother out. <laughs> and, uh, that is Guts Paul, I'll tell you. It's he sometimes complains both privately and even publicly that if this goes on, but you're not actually he's going to be out of a job because his job is being a bad guy. <laughs> I understand, but you see, the thing, the way you're not opponents is you both work for the same lecture agent. See, you're, you're, you're collaborating to compete. And you're both conscious at both levels. So you're good sports in that sense. Because if he was just busy being the bad guy, he wouldn't play with you. Uh, I, I totally agree with you. Okay, yeah. go ahead. And to support your uh, position, which is a very radical love position, <laughs> tossing love bombs loves, yeah. in, in public, uh, I've had... Uh, see, three interesting experiences just this week. Yeah. One is to At come least. to Harvard and to have David McClellan, who fired us, lovingly reintroduce us. <laughs> then last week, uh, the publicist from my book said, uh, listen, it would be wonderful if we could get a review of your book from the Prison Wardens magazine. And I said, is there such a thing? So I called Sacramento State Capitol and said, where's Ray Procunier now, who is the director of corrections for the state of California? He uh, ran 20 prisons, 18 of which I was fortunate enough to um, <laughs> inhabit. And, uh, I finally tracked him down. He's now the uh, commissioner of corrections for the state of Virginia. So I called him. We got on the phone. He said, um, Timmy, my boy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what's the matter? <laughs> are, you in, are you in trouble again? You need some help? <laughs> You're the favorite prisoner that ever escaped from my prison. <laughs> I said, well, look, Ray, uh, I need a blurb for my book. <laughs> uh, and uh, then, day after tomorrow, I'm going to be debating G. Gordon Liddy, who started his career by walking into my bedroom on a April midnight and busting me and my wife for the possession of peat moss. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> these reunions uh, of uh, people that used to be on other sides of teams, uh, I think is, a, is, a, is a, something that's happening right now. Mm. Not, not just in my life or in your life, but I think uh, we all are getting that feeling that it's time to uh, to get it together and move on. Hear that? It is. Um
speaking of it's time to get to together and move on, uh, we have to stop now. It is, there's a reception at the Science Center Lounge behind here on the first floor in the Science Center building. I'm also told to announce that uh, tapes of video and audio, they may be those available from this because people ask, so there's somebody out in the lobby that would take names, I understand. That's my part. I think it was great. Maybe we should make it an annual evacuation. Hey. And that's a part of the debate between Timothy Leary and Ron Doss in Harvard in 1983. Uh, I appreciate both these individuals. I share respect on different levels with each of them. With Ron Doss, it relates more to spirituality and his thoughts on deity and doorways. With Timothy Leary, it's a sense of adventure and questioning the government. Uh, Outside of that, whether you agree with their point of view or not, they're both interesting characters from our country's history, and I recommend you look into them. In the words of Timothy Leary, turn on, tune in, drop out, and for Ram Das, be here now. Don't forget to check out the Dead Serial Instagram account, at dead underscore serial. Do no harm, take no shit, we'll see you next time. <laughs>